We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Coming at you Wednesday night after a 32-point home loss to the Utah Jazz. Not great. But but the post-game media, it was it was great. I don't even really know what audio clip to start with here, I guess. Right? When in doubt, go with Ant. Uh so I'll tee this up. Um if you've been watching the Timberwolves at all this year, you know that teams are guarding Carl Anthony Towns with a small and having their center hide on Jared Vanderbilt so that center can kind of come and double team Cat when Cat posts up. Those of you who are have listened, been listening to the pod are probably sick of me talking about this for the past month. If you're new to the show, welcome, but weird first episode to pick. Anyways, teams normally guard Cat with like a small forward and then they have their center lurk. Uh, Utah actually invented this tactic last season. This morning, I actually asked Chris Finch about the style of defense for guarding Cat that's been happening all season, and he said they actually call it the Utah defense. And with Utah, because they did it last year, how they do it is they have Boyan Bogdanovich guard Cat, and then they have Rudy Gobert, their center, lurk by the basket and bring the double team when Cat posts up. Again, this has been happening all season, but Utah is the best at it. When the Jazz do it, in particular, it stifles Cat and just the whole Wolves offense. Tonight, we saw it again. Cat only took two shots in the first quarter and zero shots in the second quarter. That is two total shots in 17 first half minutes. It again completely stifled the way they played, you know, what the Wolves were able to do due to the way he was being double teamed, guarded by Bogdanovich and doubled by Gobert. So what do you do to break that? You know, what do you do to make sure your best player takes more than two shots in the first half? And I thought Anthony Edwards answered that question perfectly. Here's Ant after the game. Big picture, D'Lo or not, like the way to beat this cat getting guarded by small and then getting double thing is is the best way to beat it, just making shots around that when he kicks it out to the other four of you guys? Uh, no, I told Cat the best way to beat it. Uh, you got to go quick. Uh I told him at halftime, like, you waiting on the double. Like, you telling him, yeah, come double me. Now it's like, you're the best player, best player on the floor. You, they take you out of the game. You know what I'm saying? Like, then when they double you, they 
not rotating. They stand with me and making everybody else beat you. So I just told him, like, you got to go quick. Like, if you watch, and I told him this, like, you know, I told him this. I'm like, if you watch Joel B play, you have to double Joel B. Like, <laughs> there's nobody in the league that can guard him. So he goes quick. Like, you can't double him because he catches and goes quick. Like, so I told Cat, like, you catch the ball and, and you're holding it. Like, you're waiting for the double, like, telling them to come double me instead of just catching it and going. Like, they can't guard you. And I told him, like, it's disrespectful for them to put number 44 on you, bro. Like, that's disrespectful. So, yeah, he he, he know. He know he got to kill all of them. Like, he's best player on the floor every night. He got to kill them. Would it make it easier for the entry passes and everything, too, if he got a little deeper against these smalls? Yeah, for sure. I mean, but no matter where he catch it, like, if he go quick, it's nothing they can do. Like I, like I said, I tell them that all the time. Like, waiting, bro. Like, you, you sitting there with the ball holding it like this. And they come and then you want to, you know what I'm saying? Then you try to go. Like, nah, when well, you catch it, go boom. Now what? Like, they can't guard you, bro. Like, I be telling them this all, every game, every practice. Like, bro, nobody can guard you. Like, you shoot the ball. You can quick. You can handle the ball. You got touch. Like, you got everything, bro. Like, they can't guard you, bro. So, like. If he just stopped waiting on the double team, we'll be a way better team. Like, just catch it and go because now you can't double him. And then you got to double on the catch. Now it's better. Now, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, sure. Boom. That's the answer. That is just the answer. It's the only answer if you're going to continue to use Cat in post-up situations. What is happening now is not working. Waiting for the double team is not working. According to Synergy's tracking data after tonight, including tonight's game, Carl Anthony Towns has now posted up and in a post-up situation shot, passed, or turned the ball over 132 times this season. That is a very high volume. The only players in the league who have posted up more than Cat are Joel Embiid, Anthony Davis, Jonas Valanciunas, Nikola Jokic, and Julius Randle. And Cat has been less productive than all of those players in post-up situations. And actually, if you split for the 32 players who have posted up most this season, the 0.735 points per possession that Cat generates in those post-up play types ranks 32nd, dead last. I mean, Ant is right. Cat absolutely needs to go before the double team comes, or he needs to not go at all and then just sit on the perimeter and take threes, which I'm kind of a proponent of. But to some extent, there's going to be things you're going to want to mute to use him within the two-point arc as well. And simply using him in these post-up situations is just this way is not working. So what we saw in the second half was an adjustment from Chris Finch. He took Cat off of the block, the block extended, and he moved him up to the nail, which the nail is just the middle of the free throw line. Catches for Cat there, they don't require him, you know, backing down in a post-up. And when you're standing there, it's just it's harder to double him there. And to that end, in the second half, when the Wolves went to that, after Cat only shot two shots in the first half, in the second half, he was able to get nine shots off because the double team wasn't there. I asked Chris Finch about this tweak after the game. Chris, it seems like you wanted to get Cat going at the nail a little bit more. Is that a spot for him to get shots going or for to get the other four players around him? No, I mean, it's a lot for him when they do go to these matchups, you know, and, um, uh, you know, it was good for us, and I thought he got the game. He missed a couple of layups. He backed down his way there, and um, you know when they, you know, put the small on him, and it's hard to double him there um, for sure. So I mean, Gobert stands in the lane all night long, not a single three-second defense. Like we were trying to maybe force one of those too, but 
yeah. So, but yeah, that's what we do. Clearly, some frustration sinking in there from Chris Finch uh, with the refs, as you hear him call out. But also just in general, I mean, this has to be exhausting as a coach. I mean, I'm not saying how Chris Finch has used Cat this season has been perfect, but what are you really supposed to do to break this, given the roster around Cat? I mean, the reason Gobert can just lurk and roam and take away Cat is because Jared Vanderbilt is not a threat to spread the floor. So yeah, as a coach, like... Your answer would normally be to not play a non-shooter like Vanderbilt there. You know, make Gobert guard someone who can stretch the floor so Gobert can't just lurk by the rim and double-team Cat. But who is that other guy for Finch to put in that spot? They don't have other power forwards. So you could put a small forward there at power forward, play small, and they could space the floor. On this roster, that would be Torian Prince or Jade McDaniels. But that doesn't answer your questions either or solve the problem, Prince is shooting 29.9% from three this season, and Jaden McDaniels is shooting 25.4% from three. So by going with one of them, you'd be giving up some of the size, and certainly rebounding, that Vanderbilt brings, and you wouldn't even really be getting shooting back necessarily. So if those two are off, the only two other options for power forwards or quote-unquote bigs on the roster are Nas Reed and Nathan Knight. I mean, Knight is a two-way player who's been buried at the end of the bench all season. I mean, he's a big. I think he kind of has a decent stroke, but if you look at his numbers last season, he shot 18% from three when he was in Atlanta. I wouldn't say that's necessarily like a solvent option. Nas Reed is, is the other option. Um, by the numbers, Nas is the best three-point shooter on the team other than Cat. He has the second best three-point percentage on the team at 36.2%. The problem is with that pairing of Nas being the power forward or playing next to Cat. The problem is that the Wolves have tried playing Nas next to Cat for 52 minutes this season, and they've got absolutely toasted when those two have shared the floor. When Cat is on the floor without Nas this season, the Wolves have outscored their opponents by 4.8 points per 100 possessions. When Cat has been out there with Nas, the Wolves have been outscored by 24 points per 100 possessions. Just a massive swing. The defense with those two on the floor together has been a disaster this season. So the numbers suggest that isn't the answer either. And there just aren't other options on the roster. The problem with the Wolves roster is that Jared Vanderbilt is so clearly Cat's best frontcourt partner, yet he completely his presence completely destroys what Cat is able to do offensively in post-up situations. There are options for changing things here if you're Chris Finch, but as this roster is currently constructed, there are not solutions to this problem. So what do you do? I don't know if there's an answer. Patrick Beverly's plan was, when you don't have an answer, what in his post-game commentary, his plan was to just play mind games, I guess. Um, Beverly's plan, I guess, for solving this problem his team has that has not that they have not found a solution to was to just, I guess, try and dare Gobert to stop doing what he's doing that is effective. Um, Beverly basically called out Gobert. I don't know if you've already seen this quote floating around there. It seemed to have kind of caught fire on Twitter. But Beverly basically called out Gobert for being the defensive player of the year, but not guarding the opponent's best player. Answer was kind of out of nowhere, but it was great. Here's Patrick Beverly after the game. 
looking at look defensively where teams are putting a small on Carl and bringing over the second big double a lot. When you guys are having success against that, what's happening? Like, how are you successfully attacking that when it's going well? Uh, I mean, I don't know. You know, uh, it's a great game plan by the coach, his coaching staff. You know, but, you know, if I'm defensive player of the year, I'm always guarding the best player no matter what. I'm not roaming. I'm not guarding, you know, and there's no discredit to Royce O'Neal or any of the others on their team. But, you know, if I'm defensive player of the year, I'm not I'm not guarding Royce O'Neal. I'm guarding Mike Conley. I'm guarding Donovan Mitchell. I'm guarding McDonough. You know, you got Rudy Gobert out there guarding Vanderbilt, you know, and you're talking about he's a defensive player of the year, so uh, whatever. You know, people are going to say that's a stupid quote. And again, it's it's floating around Twitter and people are taking shots at Pat Bev for saying that after a 32-point loss, which I get. But to think that that is a stupid quote is to take it really literally and to think that Patrick Beverly isn't a smart basketball player. And I personally would say that's not true. Obviously, those comments are illogical. The goal of you, the Utah Jazz, is not to stop Cat. The goal is to stop the Timberwolves. And they obviously did that. They won by 32 points. Patrick Beverly knows that. He's just playing mind games here. He knows that quote will get out there. He knows Gobert will see it. That's how Pat Bath works. Like, that's his whole sort of plan. Is it logical? No. But I do think that it's a tactic. You know, whether or not that tactic ends up being effective and bugging Gobert in the right sorts of way, I don't know. We'll see. But I'm not shocked to see that Patrick Beverly did that. And <laughs> you know, the, the post game was just wild tonight. That that wasn't the end of the juicy quotes from tonight. We do have to mix an ad break in here, but plenty more about Rudy Gobert and what he does and what the Timberwolves players think he doesn't do tonight after we take a quick break. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? 
you won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back discussing the Timberwolves' 32-point loss to the Utah Jazz on Wednesday night. And a huge part of Utah winning this game was about Rudy Gobert and what he not only took away from Cat schematically, but what he just overall limited at the rim by being there. The Wolves shot 18 of 41 from the paint tonight. That's 44%. The Jazz shot better than that from three-point range. For the second straight game, the Wolves gave up 25 made threes. The Jazz were 25 of 54 from three. That's 46%. And the Wolves just shooting that poorly from the paint is about Gobert. You know, it's not only about how Gobert contests shots, but about how he altogether deters some players from even coming to the rim. I thought Finch Finch touched on this well before the game. Here's what Finch had to say about that. Coach with uh, Rudy Gobert, uh, three-time defensive player of the year, you know his, his resume. With someone like him, who is obviously a very skilled defender, is some of his effectiveness just based on past performances and just the knowledge that that is Rudy Gobert there when, when a guy might be uh, deciding whether or not to attack the basket? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I'm, when you dig into a lot of these elite rim-protecting bigs, um, I think Rudy's in a class almost all by himself. But sometimes the just the – you know, the presence, the biggest impact they have is that people don't go. That's the single biggest impact they have. When people do go, the margins are way smaller than you would think, whether it's, you know, efficient or inefficient, you know? So it's just literally the the deterrence is the, is the biggest thing a lot of them have. Now Rudy's probably has a pretty good differential between, you know, impacting shot attempts at the rim as well as, uh, the number of you know, lowering your rate, so to speak. And that's exactly what happened. Again, Finch said that before tonight's game. Gobert just does make you think a little bit more than you normally do when you come into the basket. And that led to the Wolves, you know, short-arming some floaters and just missing kind of like pretty point-blank layups that they would normally make. I mean, 44% from the paint is really bad. And I think so much of it was just the mentality of a lot of the Wolves players. The mentality of the Wolves just when they went in there and knew that they were going to be met by Rudy Gobert. Anthony Edwards said after the game that that was the problem. He said that Gobert was in his teammates' heads. On the layups, the last couple of games have been a little rough there. I mean, was tonight, was Gobert a factor there? Or it seemed like you guys were getting there and he wasn't affecting as many shots and it's just, we're just missing him. Uh, I think he was in, in people's heads, like just he wasn't even blocking shots for a long day. I think he was just people was just going to the rim and was just like, oh, they got Rudy Gobert. You know what I'm saying? I'm telling them like, bro, he's the same as anybody else, bro. Like to me, the best repertory game in the league is Porzingis. Like anytime I go against Porzingis, I don't get no layups. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? So like, I don't get why we couldn't finish on Rudy Gobert, but don't put no fear in my heart. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why. You can't say this Wolves team doesn't have confidence. They might have lost by 32, but, you know, multiple players came out taking shots at Utah's best player in that game. If nothing else, I don't know, this made things 
juicier for the next time the Wolves do play the Jazz. And they actually play them two more times in December. So they say, get your popcorn ready. Uh, the forgotten star of this game, even if you didn't agree with his post-game comments about Gobert, I thought was Patrick Beverly. Um, obviously, this game got lopsided, but, but Beverly was great if you missed the game. He set the tone early. If you did watch the game, you saw it. We all know we get what Beverly brings to this team from an intangible standpoint. So I don't even really want to touch on that. We know that. The one thing I want to mention here, the one thing that I think might be getting forgotten about Beverly this year is how good of an offensive playmaker and scorer he's been. I mean, Beverly came in, you know, the Wolves acquired him, right? What do we think? You know, uh, well, he's going to bolster the defense and then on offense, you know, he's like a 40% spot up three guy. That was the extent of what you thought you were getting from Patrick Beverly. But on offense, he's been way more than that. And tonight, Beverly had 16 points. And he got all 16 of those points from two-point range by attacking the basket. He was eight of nine from two in the game. And this has really been this playmaking and offense, offensive creation from Beverly has been an all-season-long thing. I mean, he's been a killer playmaker, especially in the pick-and-roll. According to Synergy, Beverly has run 71 pick-and-rolls this season as the ball handler. And those are pick-and-rolls that either lead to his own shot or pick and roll that leads to a pass, you know, a kick out for a three or a roller or something like that. And those possessions, those 71 possessions by Beverly have generated 1.113 points per possession. And of the 116 players in the NBA who have ran 70 pick and rolls this season, that 1.113 by Beverly ranks seventh in the NBA. The only six players have been who have been more productive in pick and roll this season are Steph Curry, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kevin Durant, randomly Brad Wanamaker, Trey Young, and Drew Holiday. That's pretty impressive company. So tonight, I want to make Patrick Beverly uh, the forgotten star of the game, brought to you by Forgotten Star Brewery, because the Timberwolves have missed Patrick Beverly's tone setting, but they've also missed this playmaking. A reminder for those of you uh, who may have missed the announcement on the last pod, we will be doing a watch party at Forgotten Star Brewery on December 21st. Myself and Britt Robson will be there to chat with, hopefully, many of you that come and watch the game. The Wolves play the Mavericks that night, so it should be a fun one. Again, that's Forgotten Star Brewery in Fridley on December 21st. Tip-off is 6.30, so come get a spot at 6. I'll be there a little bit before that. Moving on to prize picks. I was 1-3. and three. My, my only pick I got right tonight was taking the under on 23 and a half points for Anthony Edwards. Um, I just think with how we knew Utah was going to guard Cat, we knew Gobert would be at the rim, deterring Ant from getting there. Uh, which that just kind of made me think that Ant's only route to scoring over 23 and a half points tonight would almost certainly require him to make five or six threes. He was four of eight from three. He was hitting his threes, but that still only led to 18 points in the night. He just wasn't able to be productive at the basket. I also took the over on Jared Vanderbilt's eight and a half rebounds. Uh, Vanderbilt has been in double or had been in double digits for rebounds eight of the past nine games. So I thought this was a pretty safe one, but Vanderbilt only finished the game with four rebounds. One note just from watching the game or kind of where I sit is that it's pretty clear that Vanderbilt is not all the way over that illness. There's some something lingering there. You see when he comes to the bench, 
he's just really coughing a lot, you know, just trying to catch his wind or I don't know, cough it out, I guess. I just, I, I don't think he's back to 100% of, you know, full stamina. And we know, having watched Jared Vanderbilt, that that is just so critical to his game being effective. I also took the over on three and a half rebounds for Patrick Beverly. That also missed. Beverly only finished with two rebounds. It obviously wasn't a bad game from him in his return, but just he wasn't productive on the glass. The third one I missed was Mike Conley going over five and a half assists. Conley finished with five. Uh, I thought Conley would kind of operate in that spread pick and roll similarly, similarly to the way that Trey Young did for Atlanta the game before. I would say Conley did operate in a similar fashion, but he just wasn't as productive. Um, he wasn't really the offensive generator the way Trey was. Donovan Mitchell was that for uh, the Jazz tonight, so I missed that one as well. Overall, again, that's 1-3 and three on the night, which brings my season-long record down to 48-43-4. Still over 500. If you're enjoying this little segment uh, we do on the pod after all these games, and if you haven't yet tried out prize picks, do try it out. Um, you get the game that they play there from having listened to me blab about it on these. You just pick a few of the over-unders, and you kind of test your logic. And I mean, you hear what my logic is for all these. You have your own thoughts and own opinions on how this all works. And I don't know. It's just kind of a fun way to test it against the spread. When you do sign up or when you get your friends to sign up, make sure you use the promo code Dane. Uh, one that helps me out. It lets prize picks know that you came from me. Keeps them supporting the show, which helps. But more importantly, it gets you an extra 100 bucks in your account when you do sign up. So do that. Download the prize picks app. Use the promo code Dane. Deposit some funds and play some daily fantasy. The next game for the Wolves is Friday night. The Cleveland Cavaliers come to town. Ricky Rubio, Kevin Love, they come back. And, you know, the Wolves better bring it. They want to bring the, you know, end this four-game losing streak they're on now. They're going to, Cleveland's not a joke. I mean, Cleveland is a very good defensive team. They rank fourth in defensive rating on the season in the NBA. And over the past two weeks, I was just looking it up, they've been a really good offensive team too. Over those two weeks, only the Utah Jazz have a better point differential than Cleveland does, and that's pretty much all due to the fact that they just beat the Wolves by 32 points tonight. So, in Cleveland, that's one of the hottest teams in the league coming to town on Friday night. Hopefully, D'Angelo Russell is able to return to that game and be able to not just play in that, but you know, play in the road trip in Portland and Denver that follows that. We'll see what happens there. I'll be back to talk to you after that Cleveland game. Until then, thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week. I'm Dane. Peace out. Oh, I'm this is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.